Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Wednesday, November the 25th. On today's briefing, we're going to explain how Trump's legal battle is going. He's trying to overturn the election result. We'll find out why his battle is hitting a bit of a dead end. Trump's legal team keeps alleging this massive conspiracy to commit voter fraud. And when they go to court, they retreat from that entirely and have said this is not a fraud case. That's our briefing topic up in just a moment. First, Jan Fran is here with today's news. Yes, hello everyone. We are staying with Donald Trump. He has refused to take questions at his first press conference since the official handover to Joe Biden began. Yeah, early Australian time today, he gave a very short news conference where he talked about the stock market gains and positive vaccine news. Thrilled with what's happened on the vaccine front. That's been absolutely incredible. It's, uh, nothing like that has ever happened medically, and uh, I think people are acknowledging that. Then, as soon as he was asked questions about why he won't concede the election result, he walked out of the room. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Yeah, that was an uncharacteristic move from Donald Trump. Usually loves fronting the media. Hasn't done it in a while. Uh, the big news here, though, is that yesterday the president tweeted that although his legal fight continues, he is actually giving the federal agency in charge of the handover permission to start taking the first steps. Now, what this does is it gives Joe Biden access to things like security briefings and government funds, which he wouldn't have had otherwise. That's pretty big news. The actual mechanics of the transition to a Biden administration can now start. So it matters less that Trump won't um, admit reality. But it was interesting to note that after the tweets about allowing the General Services Administration to get on with the job, he went back to reposting about election fraud. I think he's just trying to sow some discontent. He's obviously a man that doesn't take losing very well. And, you know, he clearly has lost. He's trying to clutch straws. But Joe Biden has started naming his cabinet yeah. and the people close to him. And it's a very different group of people to Donald Trump. Very experienced people, not very high profile, but very experienced. Although one of them is John Kerry. He ran for president in uh, 2004. He lost to George W. Bush um, he's one of the sort of architects of the Paris Climate Accord, very well known. So things are moving. Yeah, and in a moment when we talk about Trump's legal avenues, you'll hear that his lawyers are still calling it fraud outside the court, but once they get inside the court, they're getting a very different message. And back to Australia, where every Australian could be vaccinated against COVID by September next year. Health Minister Greg Hunt says healthcare workers and the elderly will get the first doses of the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. We're on track to deliver first vaccines on the latest advice, having just spoken with the AstraZeneca CEO for Australia in March. And the CSIRO's Dr Rob Grenfell has told the project that the rest of us won't have to wait too long. For the rest of us, it'll be staged over the uh, next six months after that. There you go. Things are looking positive. Remember, Australia has a deal for... 33 million doses of the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. Um, this is the third and latest promising candidate after the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. It's up to 90% effective. I love that we had no vaccines a few months ago. Now we've got three possible vaccines that might work. Very positive. Yeah, and the health minister also said that anyone who wants to get into Australia will need to get vaccinated or go into quarantine. So it looks like people who don't have the jab We'll still be able to get in. They'll just have to quarantine. And of course, earlier this week, we heard from Alan Joyce uh, from Qantas that you'll need to get vaccinated to fly internationally. And Queensland will finally reopen to Sydney. And there's good news for Victorians expected today. 
Dr Young has been in extensive conversations with the New South Wales Chief Officer. So uh, can I say to New South Wales, we uh, welcome you to Queensland from the 1st of December. That was the Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk there announcing the welcome news after New South Wales went 28 days with no unlinked community transmission. That was what was required to get into Queensland and New South Wales has done it. Yesterday, Victoria declared itself COVID-free for the first time in nine months. Yay! Yeah, and Queensland's still watching South Australia's outbreak before welcoming them back in. The news there is that a couple who were thought to have got COVID overseas actually got it in hotel quarantine, which is really concerning. And the pizza shop worker has expressed remorse for misleading authorities and throwing the whole state into lockdown. Yeah, news of the Queensland border opening has, you know, started to have a real impact, I think, for the tourism industry, which is massive in Queensland. The travel website What If reckons that Queensland holiday booking surged more than 140% in the hours following the announcements. Lots of staycations happening in the next year, I reckon. Yeah, well, the majority of Queensland's tourists come from New South Wales and Victoria. So, um, yeah, that'll be a massive boost to their economy. And airport police officers who pulled 13 Australian women off their flight in Qatar for invasive medical searches have been charged. Yeah, Qatari prosecutors say they could face three years in prison. The Australian women were invasively examined back in October as airport officials searched for the mother of a newborn baby who was found dumped in a terminal bin. Yeah, the mother has now been identified as a woman of Asian nationality. She left the country, though, before the child was found. Her exact location is yet to be disclosed, but we know that she has been charged with attempted murder and is in the process of being extradited to Qatar. If she is convicted, she faces 15 years in prison and massive, massive questions still remain as to how this happened. The Qatari PM apologised for it, so it's coming from the top that it shouldn't have happened. So who authorised it and why? I think we need to get to the bottom of. All right, thanks, Jan. Annika's about to jump in as we look at Trump's legal battle to overturn the election result. Are Trump's legal avenues to overturn the election about to hit a cul-de-sac? That is today's briefing topic. Hello, Annika Smethurst. Hello, Tom Tilly. Look, President Trump's fight against the election result actually started before the election. As far as the ballots are concerned, it's a disaster. This is going to be a fraud like you've never seen. He knew most of those mail-in ballots would probably favour the Democrats, so he actually began questioning the legitimacy of mail-in ballots weeks before Americans even went to the polls. Yeah, and then on election night, when he appeared to be losing, uh, he gave that press conference around 2am where he ramped up the same line. This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. So here we are, three weeks after that moment, and he's continuing his court challenges. Yeah, but they're not going too well, Tom. In a case over the weekend, a Republican judge in Pennsylvania threw out Team Trump's case saying they were asking the court to disenfranchise 7 million voters. Here's what President-elect Biden had to say. I just think it's an embarrassment, quite frankly. Uh, The only thing that, uh, how can I say this uh, tactfully, I I think it will not help the president's legacy. So let's find out how this legal fight to overturn the election is going and whether those legal avenues are really about to close right up. 
Adam Classfield is an investigative reporter with Law and Crime News in the US. Adam, thanks for joining us on the briefing. How many cases has Team Trump taken to court? And what does the scoreboard say so far? Well, it's been dozens of cases and only one uh, trivial victory from the Trump campaign, essentially uh, setting aside a small number of ballots in Pennsylvania that doesn't come close to Biden's commanding lead in that state. There have been several other losses in that state. Uh, Most recently, the one that Rudy Giuliani brought forward that was absolutely eviscerated by a federal judge who uh, likened his legal theories to Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> they have lost in more than more than 30 times. And more to the point, outside the courts, Trump's legal team keeps alleging this massive conspiracy mm. uh, to commit voter fraud. And when they go to court, they retreat from that entirely and have said this is not a fraud case. That has happened four times before four different judges. Yes. Yeah, so we saw Rudy Giuliani give that famous press conference on Thursday where his hair dye was running down the side of his face and he, he kind of looked fairly out of control. Again, he was alleging um, widespread fraud. How different was that performance to his performance in court in Pennsylvania? Well, this is a direct quote from Rudy Giuliani in the Middle District of Pennsylvania. He told the judge, quote, this is not a fraud case. And that is not the sort of thing, as you noted, that he's been saying in press conferences. Uh, He had his opening arguments where he alleged, again, this vast conspiracy. But when the judge put him on the spot and asked him, what is your theory of this case? He made clear He made crystal clear, this is not a fraud case, which was a very significant quote, not only just on the face of it, it's pretty significant, but it's not a slip of the tongue. Another Trump attorney in Arizona said the exact same sentence, this is not a fraud case. Corey Langhofer, another Trump attorney, told a judge in Maricopa County, both cases were decisively dismissed. Trump has had limited success with that one small win. What avenues does he have left? Is there any chance that these challenges will change the result? The short answer is no. Um, Right now, their appeal of the Pennsylvania decision is before an intermediate appellate court known as the Third Circuit Court of Appeals. Their appeal so far, what they seek, uh, the relief that they want, is basically to amend their complaint. The judge has let them amend their complaint once in the district court, the trial court, and wouldn't let them change it a third time. And by the way, when they changed it that first time, they went from this vast voter fraud conspiracy allegation to deleting all 33 references to voter fraud. And then they want to say, no, we want to go back. So this that's the only thing at issue on appeal. They're not at this stage even challenging the merits. I have no doubt, having covered this cascade of lawsuits, that Trump, Giuliani, and the rest of the team want to drag this out as long as possible. But they are facing loss after loss after loss, and they are saying in court diametrically opposite things than they're saying to their supporters. What are his 
former Republican colleagues doing right now? We, in Australia, if I guess the leader was this mortally wounded, we'd start to see them circling for his job. Does he have much support left with the Republican Party? The amazing thing about this is that he appears to have tremendous support within the Republican Party. Very few defections so far have come. Uh, after the Pennsylvania decision, you had Senator Pat Toomey uh, going out and saying there's no plausible way that President Trump can win re-election. And he congratulated President-elect Joe Biden and he made that definitive statement. What made it remarkable is how out of the ordinary it is for Trump's Republican Party. And make no mistake, at this moment, it is Trump's Republican Party. But you can count on one hand the Republicans who are publicly accepting the reality that uh, President-elect Joe Biden won and that President Trump, uh, now outgoing President Trump, does not have a plausible way to win. And just finally, while he's been in office, he's of course had immunity from prosecution, which all presidents have, but that will pass to Biden in January. So his legal fights could actually shift. Is that a possibility? And can he pardon himself? So it's actually a two-part question because he faces potential criminal liability from two fronts, federally, and from state court. Remember, he has been the subject of a grand jury investigation from Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance, who has for the past year tried to enforce a subpoena that President Trump has tried to delay through the courts all the way up to the Supreme Court. He lost the first time in the Supreme Court by a 7-2 decision. Uh, it wasn't close. He tried to claim absolute immunity. And the Supreme Court rejected that. It's a country with a rule of law. Someone cannot be absolutely immune from criminal investigation. So it went back down and he challenged it on the other grounds. It's going through the courts again. I mention this because if it comes to a head and he is charged in state court, no, President Trump cannot pardon himself for state crimes. Now he could also face federal prosecution in connection with the Russia investigation, Mueller report, notably several uh, allegations of obstruction of justice that according to Department of Justice policy, you cannot charge a sitting president. So he did not comment one way or another whether he thought the charges would were justified, but he did significantly mention that they pass the threshold. It meets all of the bars for all of that. He didn't see, say whether or not they were justified. Theoretically, President Trump can self-pardon or say that he wants to pardon himself. It's an unanswered legal question. That would go through the courts. That said, even if he tried that gambit, and it would be a bitter legal battle uh, about whether or not he can do that, he cannot do that with state court. So he cannot pardon Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance away.
Wow, what a dramatic and complicated um, scenario that's still unfolding. We started this segment by asking are his legal avenues for the election result um, hitting a cul-de-sac. According to your analysis, it sounds like they are, but there might be many other cul-de-sacs he might run into as well. Um, Fascinating, Adam. Thank you so much for joining us on The Briefing. Thank you so much for having me. That was Adam Klasfeld, a reporter with Law and Crime News in the U.S., Really interesting to hear his analysis of Donald Trump's uh, legal fight to overturn the election. Clearly not going very well. Wonder how much longer it will last. That is it for today's briefing. Thank you so much for listening. Tomorrow, when a billion dollar settlement isn't enough, we'll explain why people are still furious over the robo-debt scandal. A Podcast One production.